Thank you, Lord. So we have tonight and one more week left of Holy Spirit, the promised one. Have y'all been enjoying that? Amen. It's been so good to sit and talk with many of you and just hear um, how the Holy Spirit is interrupting lives. And, um, you know, when we, we've we shared this story many a times and we sat with the collect con- selection committee. You know, we... <laughs> we uh, we talked about this a lot over the um, over the phone call interviews, um, but I waited until we sat face to face so we could talk um, eyeball to eyeball about what we thought a New Testament church was. Amen. And um, and and we wanted to make sure that everyone understood what would begin to happen as you invite the Holy Spirit to come. You know, when God's in control and man's not, um, He sets people free, and and we can. How that happens and what that looks like, it isn't up to me. And, and so the awesome thing has been to sit with people and say, we knew y'all were Pentecostal. But Pastor Heather, I, I, I can say this now because you know I like you. But when y'all first came, I really thought y'all was weird. And it's been precious to hear people say that and then say, but I've become one. I've become one. And, and being Christian for a long time and having people begin to experience the Holy Spirit in their home, in their work, in their day-to-day life, and just seeing the gospel come alive. And, and that's why we're here. You know, we're here to see life, hope, and healing come to every one of you and every one of your families. And, and as it happens in all of us, that it begins to fill infiltrate through our neighborhoods and communities and out to this greater lakes region amen so i pray that you get this in your belly get these messages in your bellies listen to them over and over go search out the scriptures for yourself read the books and get it in your belly so when you get poked jesus comes out amen i want to bleed jesus so we're taking a look tonight at holy spirit and the anointing. And so we first want to look at why the anointing is important. And so, of course, we look to the life of Christ. And if you read um, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we really see that Jesus became man. And, and we know this and we hear about it, but it's very important for us to realize the truth in that, in that because he was man, he needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so in Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being, being in the form of God, did not consider, consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's an exciting, exciting scripture. And um, I don't want to get into a whole lot of uh, doctrine tonight on the Trinity, but the reality of it is, is that Jesus gave up some of his privileges as part of the Godhead to come and walk on this earth as man. 
He, he, he was still fully God, but at the same time, he gave up some of his rights and privileges as God to walk on this earth because man had to die on the cross for you and I. And so as a result of that, Jesus lived 33 years on this earth. He was born of a woman in a manger. He was a baby, bouncing baby boy, had to gaga, gaga, drool as he got his teeth coming in. Come on. And, uh, you know, he had to, he was raised, he had to do chores, I'm sure. He worked with his, his father as, as, in carpentry. You know, he labored amongst, amongst others. Um, but yet he was without sin, right? And so he became man. But for 30 years living on this earth, we don't see any signs and wonders, miracles. We saw him going to the temple. We know as a young boy he was in the temple, temple talking about the things of God. He had a wisdom beyond his years. But we don't see anything up until he was 30 years old having to do with the anointing and the power of God coming upon his life. Um, in John 14, 12, we see Christ say, um, says, Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And so Christ, is, Christ, we see Christ for 30 years doesn't do anything. Um, obviously lives without, be, without sinning, so obviously that's something. But we don't see any signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles begin to happen. And then he says that we too will do them. And so you and I walk on this earth without living a supernatural life. Even coming born again into the kingdom of God, oftentimes we live loving him, knowing him, reading his word, having it a, 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 um, open to our eyes um, of our understanding, but not walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. And so you and I both must follow in Christ's footsteps in walking in the anointing. And we see that happening again um, in Luke chapter 3. We're going to skip a scripture up there, Tony. When Jesus receives the anointing, in verse 21, it says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. There's so much power in that, yet we look over it so often. The heavens were opened, and a dove descended in bodily form. Now, most of the time, we don't, we don't see an actual dove coming down. But the reality of it is, is the heavens begin to be opened. When we begin to worship him, when we begin to cry out to him, heaven literally invades earth. On that day when Jesus was baptized in water, the heavens were literally opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. The power, the unction, the anointing of God came and began to rest upon him. Before that time, the Holy Spirit lived in Jesus. Jesus was not separated from God. He, he, he did not sin. Right? Sin is what separates us from God because Jesus was born of a virgin and did not have the seed of man, but was born of God the Father. There was no sin in him. So he had the Spirit living in him, but he didn't have the Spirit rest upon him. He didn't have the overflow of the Spirit until the Spirit begins to descend in bodily form as a dove and begins to rest upon him. 
And God the Father looks and says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And so from that point, that's in Luke 3. We see in Luke 4, 14, Jesus returns. How? In the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He didn't return the same man. When you and I encounter the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when you and I begin to encounter the anointing of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you and I can't go home the same. That's why we say, hey, don't worry about people rolling around laughing on the floor. Is it God? Is it not God? Let me tell you, when it's God, you and I are going to both know it because we're not going to be the same person. The whole point of that is that the power of the Holy Ghost come upon us, do his work in us, change us, get, get rid of our spiritual and religious pride. My goodness that we would get out of the way of Jesus and let him begin to work and flow through us. And so Jesus goes, he's doing, living his life, doing his thing, goes, follows in obedience, gets water baptized, has the Holy Spirit come upon him, and from that moment on, he began to walk in the power, in the power of God. So he returns to Galilee, obviously changed, and the news of him, the news of Christ, went out through all the surrounding regions. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. As he began to open his mouth, it was evident that there was power, a tangible power upon his life. How do we know? Let's keep going. In verse 16 of Luke chapter 4, it says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now I can imagine Jesus probably had been in the synagogue many a days. And many a times it was his turn to read. But this particular day, when he opened that book, when he opened that scroll, there was something different about him. How many times have you read scripture, talked to your kids about Christ, even, even heard about Christ, and, 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 and it was like blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, the same person, maybe it's you, begins to share the story. But what was different was before it was just something you had read. And all of a sudden, it became something you were living, the reality of heaven for you. All of a sudden, Jesus goes to read it, and something had changed about him. The tangible presence of the Lord was upon him. Now, because Pastor Grace knows that we love her, and we challenge her regularly, Pastor Grace is very talented. Can I get an amen? amen. She's got some musical skills. She's got vocals of heaven. And when we came... She did a great job. She ran this place. She was our contact person for our services, and she had organized everything and communicated everything, communicated to all of them, and we were different from the beginning, we've heard. And so she communicated clearly with everyone involved what our expectations were and how service was going to go. And she'd get up here, and she'd lead, and she'd sing beautifully, and it was great songs. She, was, she even knew the Holy Ghost. But guess what? As she began to step in and began to walk in the anointing, living, moving, and having her being in him, everything changed. She's learned to live and to walk and to carry the presence of the Holy Spirit with her. The anointing of Christ, the anointing of the God walks with her. And now she gets up there, and even though she has the same giftings as before, when she opens her mouth, there's something different that comes out. 
Amen? Because all of a sudden, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is resting upon our life, and it's the power of God flowing through. I love great singers, but I would take an anointed person any day over talent. And we've got now talent and the anointing. And so in verse 18, Jesus begins to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now I imagine when the, when the people in the synagogue began to hear this verse read with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Christ, it was like many of you who had heard Celebration Church, Life, Hope, and Healing. How many times? And then all of a sudden, some pastor from Louisiana gets up here and starts talking under the power of the Holy Ghost that Celebration Church is about life, hope, and healing. There began to be something tangible, something real, a difference, and all of a sudden you were drawn to it. All of a sudden it wasn't just something that was said or read or looked good on paper, but it became something living and alive that you and I are to walk in. And it was the same thing as that day in Galilee when Jesus came back and opened up the scroll. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And today I say, church, that as you and I both walk in the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you can say with Christ that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now we're going to go ahead. I'm going to skip the next verse again, Tony. I feel the Lord's going different than he was a couple hours ago. Um, so let's take a look at what that scripture meant to Christ and what it means to us today. Um, so looking at the first part, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has sent me to set free those who are downtrodden. This is in verse 18, or to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. You and I walk around in a place today where, you know, we talk about True North and we talk about the detention center and all those kids that are locked up in there. But we walk around today, and unfortunately we've got people, some people in this church even, that are in more chains and have prison doors stronger than even those people in the detention center and in the prisons and the jails all across America. You and I are sent to set the captives free. Christ came that the captives would be free. What are captives? People are walking around all the time addicted, addicted to pornography, addicted to sex, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, addicted to money, addicted to all sorts of crazy, nasty things. And we've got program after program after program in this world that says, here are steps to walk in healing. But guess what? Once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Let me tell you something. I'm no addict. I might have been a drug dealer. I might have done my share of do's and don'ts and all the different things, but I am no recovering addict. I am free in Christ Jesus. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Because I've come to set liberty the captives. We, you know, those programs are great and all that, but they're only going to take people so far. They're only going to take people so far. But for someone to live free, free from addiction, free from 
fear, free from pain, free from all the stupid stuff that have ever been spoken over lives. We need the power and the presence of God. That's why we say come up here at these altars and get on your knees and come up here and let us pray for you. Oh, close your eyes and lift your hands and step into heaven because all of us at some point in our life, at somewhere, we're captive to what this world says about us. We're captive to those things around us. But Jesus has come to set the captive free. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you as you walk those streets, as you go visit family for the holidays, as you're in the grocery store and you see that person, you can say, it's all right. Jesus loves you. Jesus died so you didn't have to live in that way. Why can I sit there in the jails and all over the streets with the homeless and let the weirdos of the world sit there and blah, blah, blah and sob to me? Because I know the power of the Holy Ghost and that the anointing breaks the yoke, breaks the yoke of addiction, breaks the yoke of fear, breaks the yoke. We don't have to have people walking all over the place living in shackles. I can't stand it. Even in the church, open the word, open our hearts. Just say, come, come, Holy Ghost. It's the good news. Go, He was anointed to set free those who were downtrodden. You, we, all, we all know people like that. They're down and out on their luck. Everything, everything in life is bigger. All their problems are bigger. They can't see past problems. Maybe it's a single woman who, who unfortunately has lost her husband or her husband's walked out of the door and she's got bills to pay and, and hasn't worked in 18 years or 15 years or 10 years since the babies came and, and not sure what to do and how to, how to get a job and, and what skills they have. And, and life seems bigger. Come on seems bigger than their God. No, 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 no. He's come to set free the downtrodden. I have seen over and over again people come with stories that make me like cross-eyed and I don't even know where to begin. But I know Christ. Christ came to set free the downtrodden, the downcast. I may not have all the answers and you may not have all the answers, but guess who does? And when we invite him on the scene, when we invite him in the middle of that and we cry with him and we hold them and we say, I don't know, but I know who does. Come to church with me anyway. Come to small group with me anyway. Let's get in the prayer line. Let's ask God to come. All of a sudden, in a moment of time, just like that Hebrew scripture, he's come as the anchor of our soul. I don't know what life's going to throw, but I know who holds it in the palm of his hands. He's come to set free the downtrodden. Woohoo! Let's go to the next one, Tony. Should be number three. We've done that one. He was anointed to preach recovery whoo, of sight to the blind. We all know through scriptures Jesus walked around healing the sick. And it's the same today. He's going to heal the sick. We got to get the sick in his presence. We got to get the sick in the presence of God. We got to get the sick, the word of God, the healing word of God. We got to invite Jesus in the room. You know people that are sick? You ever go to a hospital room and you walk in and it's like... All the air is gone and it's just depressing. I'm like, oh no, we opening up the blinds. Let's get some worship on in here. Hey, can we just pray for a little while? 
we just want to invite Jesus on the scene because he does heal the blind. He is here to heal the sick. But I love that this scripture, this part has double meaning. It's not just to physically heal the blind, but it's to come and heal those spiritual eyes that you and I might have faith to see the things of heaven. I had a spouse come to me this past week and say, you know, my hubby still thinks y'all a little weird. He thinks I'm weird too. She goes, what do I do? He wants me to go to counseling. I said, you just get on your knees. You get on your knees and you ask that his eyes would be opened. That just like you, in a moment of time, all of a sudden, whew, I want what they have. All of a sudden, I don't think that they're so weird, but I want to be in the middle of that weird. I want to be in the middle of that presence of God. I want to be the one walking around happy-go-lucky with a little skip and a hop in my step because something has happened in my life. Because I've encountered Christ. I've encountered the Holy Spirit because heaven has met me right where I am. And so Jesus is in the business today of healing the blind eyes. That all of a sudden the hard-hearted, the spiritual pride would all of a sudden be washed away with the healing salve that he'd spit in the dirt of our life. Rub that mud. Put it on your eyes. And all of a sudden we see. We see clearly the hand of God upon us. We see clearly the presence of God upon us. I can remember of times seeing people have hands laid on them and falling out on the floor and crying. And I thought, man, that's satanic. That's weird stuff. But guess what I'm doing now? Because in a moment of time, my eyes and my heart were opened. The eyes of my heart were opened. Lord, forgive me for grieving your spirit that day. Forgive me, but thank you that I have access today. Let me tell you, you and I together are to walk in a way that the eyes of the blind are opened, that we don't shy away from our Pentecostal experience, that we don't shy away from what we know to be true. But as we begin to talk, just talk about how the scripture of Christ, the scripture of the Holy Spirit has come alive in our life. And that it's not just words on a page, but the reality of what we live. It will begin to attract and draw people to him. And the eyes of their hearts will be opened. Let's go on to the next one. He was anointed to preach the favorable year of the Lord. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in your lives. I don't know what's going to happen in my lives. But guess what? Jesus is on the scene. So I've learned to live with lack. I've learned to abound. But all in all, it doesn't quite matter what the things of life dish out at me. Why? Because it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Because this day and age that you and I live in is the year of Christ Jesus. It's the year he sits on the throne. It's the year that he sits and always lives to make intercession for you and me. It's the year that he sits and what? Baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, sending us the promise of the Father. It is the acceptable year. Through hell and high waters, forgive me for Lord, but you will be with me. You know, I am going to put this in, and I'm so sorry, husband. Just stop me if you want me, but not really. I know we moved to, to the north. I know it's going to be cold. But my goodness, let's set up shop with Jesus and have a good time. Come on. I know at some point I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness, I don't have enough warm stuff. Where do I go? Somebody help me. 
But my goodness, he's still on the throne. He's still on the throne. He's on the throne in Hawaii and he's on the throne in Antarctica. He's on the throne. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. We can rejoice and be glad in it. So does that mean we're only going to rejoice and live and walk in the Spirit when we're in good days and good health and everything's going right financially and we have all the wonderful friends and things we need? No. I don't know what's going to happen. But one thing I do know, I'm going to walk in Him. I'm going to live with Him. I'm going to invite Him into my life every day and every way and watch God show up on the scene. That I may not always abound and I may have some really rough days, but He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you as orphans. So when we see people walking around with pity parties of, oh, and they're on Facebook, everything's so bad. Oh, can you believe this happened? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know Christ? Has the Holy Spirit visited you today? Let's get off of the pity party and let's rejoice in the Lord. Oh, my word. He's enough for me. He's enough for you. He is anointed to preach the favorable year of the Lord. If you're the pity party person, it's all good. It's all good. Just repent. Just repent and put on Christ. And the next time your pity party buddy starts, say, I can't go there with you, man. I can't go there with you anymore. I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm learning how to walk in him. Woohoo! Is not the anointing fun? So here we go with John 14. Starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it either sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and, me, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. As we abide in him, as we stay in him, he says that he will manifest himself to us. It's all about communing with him. How do I walk in the anointing? How did grace step over? Y'all hear us say that all the time. Just step over. We learn to abide in him. We abide in him. We keep his commandments. We walk in love. We welcome him in every way and every day. And he will manifest himself to us. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you. And he's upon me. And all we have to do is learn how to abide in him. And let him abide in us. Lord, teach me to love you. Teach me to abide in you. Teach me to walk in you. If Christ needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit on this earth to walk in the power of God, how much more do you and I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Amen. So why don't you stand on your feet with me as we close out tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
And as we close out tonight, <clears throat> I just want to once again invite you to the front. The altars are open. And the Holy Spirit is. It's offered for all. The anointing is offered for all. I truly believe that he not only wants to baptize us, but he wants you and I to be what I call a carrier of the anointing. A carrier of the anointing. That wherever you go, the presence of heaven goes with you. Because he goes with you and I. And I just want to encourage you to, to come to the front, come to the altar, spread out around this building. And just ask for more. Ask for more of him. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the anointing of God. Ask for the maybe the eyes of your heart to be open to the greater things that God has for you. That you and I may all begin to be carriers everywhere we go, bringing this anointing with us. That we would see life, hope, and healing all across this region.